Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to Generally Famous, a stuff podcast. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love and what makes them tick. Today's renowned and well-loved children's educator and entertainer, Susie Cato. Kia ora, <laughs> I feel like I'm on a children's show when you do that. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, maybe I should do the full version then. It's our time. Kia ora, It's our time. Our special time of day. It's just... Oh, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, though. Like, up until then, I was like, that's a recording. I was just It's thinking, just like you just press play with inside. Oh, I have practiced that. Well, sung it so many times. What I was thinking was, oh, how do I put it in the day go, it's me and Simon together. And then I thought, oh, maybe that would be Oh, yeah. There we go. There's um, a wee burst of um, yeah, masked singer coming out of exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> and we will go, no, we're, we're fellow masked singers. And, um, but as you said, you had a harder time because um, everyone knows your singing voice. World famous in New Zealand. But I would have thought, like, you, you surely you could have done some. There's, surely there's you know, children's show voice. <laughs> and then there's, like, Sultry Susie Cato voice oh. and sort of, you know. What are you telling me? How do you <laughs> know, know about that voice? I don't know. <laughs> well, I've never heard it, but um, yes. My husband likes it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I don't know where to go with that. I'm, I'm, I'm blushing. Oh, my goodness. It's so, you, um, I mean, just just hearing that song, I mean, you have, you are an institution. You've hosted, um, and I'm going to reel them off, but a, a a raft of great Kiwi children's shows. We've got the Early Bird Show, 3 p.m., my personal favourite, You and Me, Susie's World, Brian and Bobby, etc., etc. Is that what you thought you'd be doing when you were, I don't know, a teenager or something? Well, when I grew up in Kaikoui and uh, looked at the options that we had up there as far as work opportunities went, I didn't think I'd be in television, that's for sure. I dreamt of that. Yeah. I mean... Which kid doesn't dance around the room with a hairbrush up singing all the rock songs and the pop songs and things like that? Yes. Which child doesn't dream of being on the stage? Oh, I guess lots of kids do. Yeah. They, they dream of being engineers and builders and, and hairdressers and so on. But I had all those dreams as well. At one stage, I wanted to be a bus driver and, and mum had been a hairdresser for many years. And that was Well, I'm sure you've done bus driver on your children's yes, shows. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing is, as being a children's presenter, you get to do all the things that you wanted to do. Normally in fancy dress kind but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which I've absolutely loved. As a teenager, I did want to be in broadcasting in some way, yes. and en- ended up at the age of seventeen, I think, in radio. I was one of the youngest female radio announcers at that time. Yeah, amazing. I don't know. This is not really that. My, my daughter at the moment, five years old, because we live near the Auckland Medical School. She wants to be a doctor in the day and a singing performer in the night. Perfect. And I've said, well, I've said to her, you know, there's it's a lot of work, love. I mean, you'll be, it's, you know, <laughs> this, it's, it's, uh, you don't, I don't know that you want to work that hard. But um, anyway, when you say broadcasting, mm-hmm. were you thinking you were going to be some serious sort of broadcaster on a serious? radio show or was it more something else? Well, or? I guess there was a certain amount of seriousness because I was quite a serious earnest? young person. Yes, I was very earnest. Mind oh, you, my weren't goodness. we all? Yep. I did have my uh, heart set on politics at one stage because yep. I really wanted to make a difference. But I grew up in the Muldoon era and the shenanigans and behaviour yes. and all the rest of it at that yes. time I, it put me off completely. And really, yeah. I would never have been any good at as, as a politician. Um, I think I'm <laughs> being able to be read far too easily, you know. 
<laughs> all my emotions well, but on maybe my sleeve that's type now because of the life you've lived. But mm. maybe if you'd gone into politics, you'd be a cynical, hardened oh, sure. backroom operator. Oh, maybe because mm. don't we have different kind of sides to us? And oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Which, all- which I would have thought is very crucial, actually, for you because. You know, you don't, and I don't mean this because it's fabulous and amazing and so important. But you don't want to be talking to three and four year olds all the time. Um, well, it depends. If you're a, um, a preschool educator, then often you are. But yeah. yeah, no, it is very important that you have various different sides to you. So the yeah. person that I am at home with my husband is different to the person that I am for my children, yes. for my best friends, my um, people that I meet in the street. Yes, we do have different hats that we wear at different times in our yeah. lives and in and in our days, I guess. So radio, young. Was this like local Whangarei radio? Yeah. Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, kind of commercial. Uh, I, I ended up with a job in commercial, but um, it wasn't seventh form. It would have been sixth form, and we were given the opportunity to find some work experience. That doesn't so. even sound legal. <laughs> to be doing that sort of work at that age, is it? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, definitely. It was, it was yeah, all yeah. above board, all above board. So a lot of my friends did the um, work experience within the hairdressing realm or uh, supermarkets or I think in Moirawa we had AFCO at the stage. and Yes. Farming and various bits and pieces like that. I got a week's work experience at the local RNZ station. Right. And Fell right. in love with it because I'd always been one of those kids that loved performing. Were you behind the camera, uh, the microphone, microphone no, at that? No, heck, no. I was filing and <laughs> sorting yes. records and and all those sorts of things. Work experience, really, really. But it opened stuff. your eyes to it. Yeah, well, I ended up with um, getting involved with their. Um, Bay Radio, so mm. it's their summer radio. They took a caravan up to Paihia, mm. and I got involved in radio there. So I did get behind the microphone, and I absolutely loved it. But I'd also um, applied for a job with KCCFM, which was the opposition, the FM station, and I put my CV in t- for the last t- intake of the um, RNZ internship. Right. So I got flown. My first time in a plane that I remember. Amazing. In a tiny little plane. How glamorous. Yeah, I know, going down to Wellington. Wow. um, I think I was interviewed by Sharon Crosby. Wow. And it was terrifying and amazing and incredible and mind-blowing for this little mind coming from Kaikoui to be flown down there, to be interviewed. I'd barely even had had a job interview prior to that type thing, um, working for my mum and dad in their cafe. (laughs) So, yeah. it was an amazing experience and I learned so much from it, but I never found out whether I got the internship because I accepted the job uh, with the FM station, which in a small rural town like Whangarei. It's quite a big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also in a, in a station like that, you get to do everything anyway. Yes. So it was pretty much an internship. But I um, love the name of it. What is it? WRKC? What was it? Is it? <laughs> oh, it was KWCFM. <laughs> 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 if I can get you singing three times in this podcast, we'll sort oh, of there'll be some look, record in that. If you stop me at twenty, we'll be away. <laughs> no, I love that. That's it's like that's what was that WRP in Cincinnati oh, yeah, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it's yeah. got that real kind of American sort of commercial sound to it. But you are right. I mean, I um, it's not all about me, okay. But I, if I think about my early 
career progressions. A young lawyer in Auckland, but to do serious criminal work, you've got to get to the provinces, right? Because they let you have a go earlier, you, you learn all the, the facets of it, and that's what happened with you. Oh, definitely, definitely. So it was a fantastic opportunity. Started in the copywriting, so writing advertisements, ended up... Oh, doing all kinds of things, <laughs> a stint at reception even, and yes. and heading out and about doing promotions. So uh, doing the crosses, coming in from you know, wherever store we were, where we were giving away bits and pieces. Um, and then I was on the beach and I got a telephone call. Cell phones had been invented by then. Yes. <laughs> I got a call saying, hey, what are you doing? Can you get into the station in about an hour's time? Somebody had called in sick and they needed me. So typical, it's like that whole newsreader or radio personality Sand still between the toes, you know, togs on underneath the cl- clothes, rushing in. And they showed me basically how to use the equipment and then set me live. And, and basically I had to go count down from 10 down to 1. So if you count down, when you're when you're excited, someone, I don't know if your voice gets as high as mine does, <laughs> but you get quite excited and you talk up in a really high voice. I had to count down from 10 to 1. And by then you're in a deep radio voice, which is <laughs> far more soothing. <laughs> how long did you do that before you oh. sort of moved into the world of TV stuff? Oh, okay. So I was in radio in Whangarei for about two and a half, three years. All right. Came down to Auckland and worked with Muzzer in the morning, who unfortunately recently legend. passed. Yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah, absolute legend. And and then the TV stuff. Yeah, well, look, I was in radio for a short stint, and then had several jobs, and the TV stint came about quite interestingly. I was at a barbecue with the executive producer of the Early Bird Show, and he'd done all kinds of things like Nice One Stew and things like that. Mm. Rex Simpson incredibly talented man. And we got talking at the barbecue. We talked about what I liked in a children's television presenter because I was one of the youngest ones at the barbecue and was probably most close to watching children's television. And um, I talked about how I really loved one particular presenter on What Now, Catherine McPherson, and how Although this amazing entertainment was going on on What Now, she was the one that I felt actually really connected, looked through the camera, really connected with the person at home and made sure that they were a part of it. So we had that conversation. I then went to a party about a year later and um, got on really well with some of his employees. And the next minute I get a telephone call. Hey, have you ever thought about being in television? Oh, yeah, who hasn't type thing. And... I was on live television about a week and a half later. Amazing. So what's really interesting is that, you know, it sounds like with both the radio and then the TV, you kind of had to, which I think sometimes people forget, you you had to kind of opportunistically, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but take those, that that when it came, right? It was there, you seized it. Yeah. There was no broadcasting school at that stage. Right. So there wasn't a degree to go and get first. But I happened to be in the right place at the right time, and it was a sink or swim situation. You jump in the deep end, and look, how many years, 30 years later, I still feel like I'm madly, you know, yes. dog paddling to the side. But um, And that was what was, ch- was that was children's TV? Yeah, it was actually. What yeah. was the show? Can you recall what the. The Early Bird Show with oh, Russell well, Rooster. I'm sorry, it yeah, was yeah, the yeah. Early Bird, right. Yo, doodle doo, dude. <laughs> um, had you been thinking children's TV? I suppose I'm trying to, or did yeah. you sort of fall into that? Well, I guess I did fall into it, having gone into radio and really enjoying that environment and talking to adults and so on. I did really want to make a difference in people's lives. And and as a, as a uh, teen still at school, I'd actually started writing children's books 
Um, right. And I guess I am one of those, mum used to call me Peter Pan, just won't grow up type thing. I really, I really resonated with kids. And I did actually at some stage consider being a teacher. And I love babysitting. And I love spending time with younger kids and really related better to them than I did to adults. So I would easily spend more time with kids than I would with, with anybody else. Mm. I... You asked me before whether that was my kind of goal, what, what I had as a teen really wanted to do. Mm. I didn't really set out to be any particular thing. No. So it's more about how life has unraveled for me. They do talk about the five-year plans and things like that. For me, it was just like, got a dream? Follow it. If my gut doesn't... Uh, you know, bubble and burn and and for me to really desire to do it, then I don't tend to do it. Yeah, but you were, because you had a broad thing, right? You were there, you wanted media, broadcasting, you were interested mm. in that and there's radio, TV, that, that, that sort of thing. But what's interesting is it was kind of, maybe it was fate, but there you were in children's and now you look back and that's been a, you know, a massive career in that. Mm. Oh, exactly. It's been a massive career. I've loved every single minute of it, but could easily have ended up as a office junior at, for a um, accountancy firm in Paihia because that job was lined up at the same time that I put my CV in elsewhere. So mm. it's just how an opportunity. Hey, Susie, would you like to try this? Oh, yeah, I'll give that a go. I didn't set out to have my own production company, but when you and me came to an end, uh, New Zealand On Air approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in continuing to make more content. Yes. So I formed my own production company, surrounded myself with the people that knew what I didn't know, which was everything. <laughs> and, and we started making um, like Susie's, Susie's World. World. Yeah, yep. yeah. I then went on to make Brian and Bobby, and I now have my own YouTube channel and radio show. We're actually into our 15th year. We've just won yeah. Best um, Children's Radio show, so um, for the Radio Awards. So that was one, wonderful. Yeah, definitely. But oh, um, it's... It's, I can't wait to see where life is going to lead me next because, once again, I'm, I'm sitting at a crossroads now with about six different opportunities ahead of me. All of them are rather big ones. Mm. Which one do I take? I'm not entirely tricky, sure. Tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. And we'll talk more about that. I'd be interested to hear what your sort of thoughts are on the future. But without getting – well, no, we can – I was going to say without getting too deep and meaningful, but we can. What makes good – children's TV. What are you sort of what 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 are the ingredients you say? What kind of needs this, this and this to be a to be a great kids well, I, show? I guess it, it it depends on what the show is. So but ultimately it needs to have heart. Yep. It needs to be age appropriate and connect with the child in whatever way. So if you're connecting with the child because of, of, of its comedy, you want to make sure that you've got the right humour. Yes. If it's because it's a science programme, you've got to be providing the information with the right language, with the right intent, I guess. I guess it's how you get into the, the mind of a child and think, how does this child or how do children of this age see the world? Mm. And how do we reach them and draw them in? How do we connect? And what do you think about that? Is that something that you just... 
instinctively kind of you've either got that or you kind of haven't you know some people my father for instance I don't think he'd ever get that right (laughs) but but you know my mother primary school teacher and you know she, she would she would get that clearly you would have got better at that over time oh exactly and it's about the team that's around you so with the likes of you and me it was being written and directed by people who had been preschool trained so they knew the language to use. They Which knew... fascinatingly wasn't you. No, actually. no, I've yeah. not had any tr- formal training of any kind. But I had had three years in television prior to that and had connected with the audience in so many different ways. I mean, on 3pm, and I've mentioned this um, many times, we had a letterbox and within the letterbox, letters would come in for competition entries and all those sorts of things. And then we were given the opportunity to address child abuse three different times with three different letters. Mm. And you go, wow. You know, we didn't have children in the audience, but when we were creating this program, which was basically just a fill program around the um, cartoons, mm. it's what do the kids want? What mm. are we, what are we, and what can we draw out from them that, that they don't even know that they want? What can we provide them that they need? So it was all these competitions and our, and our giveaways were all quality things, educational, but fun. Mm. And um, the guests that we had, the kids would learn from, but it was all fun and interesting. So I was very fortunate. I was a part of the team that um, helped create that program. There's so much in that. I mean, one thing that occurs to me, what you said is you talked about what what sort of the children want. What, what do you reckon, you know, from a a show that's entertainment and education, which is, you know, I think what, what you've been doing, it's got to be both of those things. What is it that the children want, do you reckon? And what is it that the parents want? Because I presume they're slightly different things or not? Or um, well, Look, I think many parents are just looking for a babysitting tool. And yeah. that's why the screen gets them put in front of the child yeah. and they're left to their own devices. Pardon the pun. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, yeah. Literally the, yeah. these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, which is such a shame because it can be an amazing tool. And that's what we did with Susie's World and, and I guess with you and me. It's about having a place uh, where the kids can come and connect with the presenter and uh, come away feeling that they have not just been spoken to, but there's been a conversation that there's been, that they've been involved in it and that it's not completely. I think I guess one way we used to put it is being a veggie burger is that they've taken away something from it mm. without actually realising it and that that content's been good. Yes. So it's got all the mushrooms and the, yes. you know, all the veggies and the broccoli, yes. but they haven't even realised that. And that's what Susie's World and you and me effectively were. How much is entertainment? I mean, your veggie burger is probably the answer in a way, but how much is entertainment? How much is education? You're putting these things together. Uh, Look, with those particular programs, I guess it was easily 50-50, although with um, Susie's World, it was a science program, so it would have been 80-20. But, I mean, even with Susie's World, at the end of the program, we were putting all the bloopers to show that we all make mistakes, that we all, and the kids would love it. They'd hang out to see what bloopers were going to be at the end, you know, <sighs> what kind of mess I was going to make or how many times I stumbled and all those sorts of things. Showing that we're all human, we all make mistakes, and we can all have fun. We can laugh at ourselves. And that's just a, a big key too. You didn't have any kind of qualification or formal thing around, you know, early childhood or any of those sort of things. But, but. There must be a sense now where you feel like, practically speaking, you've picked up a, a PhD in early childhood education <laughs> or something. I mean, you must have learned a, a massive amount kind of experientially about 
children and what works and it's a massive question so you can kind of take it wherever you want but I suppose what, what do you what do you feel over what is it 20 plus years what, what do you feel you have learned Oh, gosh, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot of what I don't know. I mean, there's still so much to learn. But I do love sitting in front of that camera and imagining that that child is there and having a conversation with them. And I guess as a, as a young person, I was a very shy kid. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. I... Um, I oh gosh I, I I questioned everything and and uh, analyzed myself and and um, questioned life I guess to a certain extent too. So by having these people within the uh, parents are just so busy, families are just so busy. So to have somebody like the program within the program, you and me, where that person that adult was there and the only thing that they did for twenty minutes was talk to the child and on the child's terms, make them feel so good that by doing that as a presenter, I feel so good. It's it's as rewarding for my the child within as it is as an adult. So mm. um, I, I, I can't say that I've learned anything about child education. I can't, I can't say that, but I can say from a child psychology point of view that – we just all need somebody to acknowledge us and recognize us and accept us for who we are, to be the oasis when we need them, not to solve the problems, but to give support and guidance and, um, oh, someone, I'm going to cry. <laughs> mm. I guess as even as adults, we still need that, that life, mm. life affirming, um, that love. Yeah, I guess I guess that uh, that has been uh, with all my years in television. That has been uh, the underlying thing for me is to make a difference in one person's life, even if it's just one person's mm. life, just by being there. I think back in the day, the big thing for companies was to have their byline. I can't even think what the, the correct term for it was back then, where um, you had your motto by which you you worked. And your whole office had it up, printed up there, and it was about, yes. you know, reaching goals and all those sorts of things. Yeah. For me, it was, if I can make this program a place where people, or make, even try and make the world a better place where people could feel nurtured, where they felt that they belonged, where they felt that they were loved, then that was my goal. So for everything that I've ever done, my books, my live performances, and all those sorts of things, that's been underpinning what I've been doing is to try and make a place where people felt like they belonged, where they felt loved and they felt that they could be. And that's been something that I have been so honoured by is the number of people that have come up to me years later and said, man, I had a tough childhood or yeah. man, I went through some bad times. Even as a teen, I would sit and watch your program and just feel safe. Mm. and just feel loved and just feel so good. And um, we talked before we, we turned the mics on about voices and, and being recognised and things like that. So many people hear my voice and it's, takes it takes them, them back. back to a happy time. Yes. You just go, wow, what a gift. What a yes. gift that is for me. But what a gift that I have been able to give somebody else that, you know, that happy 
joyful, safe feeling. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. That's I can totally get that. I was a bit before your time. It was play school. But, you know, I can totally see that half an hour that's safe, warm, comforting, but, you know, also enjoyable time. And actually just on that, I mean, what makes kids laugh? Mm. What's your what gets them going? Would you say? Oh look, you know what? It's the same. Kids haven't changed, and from when we were growing up, we used to love the the slapstick and all those sorts of things. Invariably, it's that sort of thing that kids laugh at. It's yes. funny things happening. How many kids love those cat videos or the dog videos? Where yes. you know, it's it's really simple, simple stuff. Yeah. But those are the ones that you can get the biggest belly laughs from. What intrigues them? What makes them curious? I guess the same things that made us curious as kids. It's that why question. Why? How? Maybe still makes us or should intrigue us and make us curious. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What makes them learn? And is that just kind of, is it a bit of sugar makes the medicine go down? You know, which is the bit about the veggie burger and, you know, there's something that's really good for them and nutritious, but actually put some tomato sauce on and they think it's fantastic. Yeah. Look, what makes them learn? I think it is even our interest in things. So if we are trying to teach them the ABC and we're doing it in a dull, boring voice or whatever, but it's like, oh, guys, come and check this out. A, hmm, A is for Apple. (gasps) You know, you you, um, have the same passion and interest in something yourself and that can generally get the kids involved. It it, um, sparks their interest. How's the landscape around children's education, entertainment of the kind you've done. I'm not talking, you know, the cartoon stuff or any of that. Mm. How's it changed over the now decades that you you've been involved in this? Is well, it for the is it fundamentally better now, worse, bit of both? I'd say a bit same? of both. Yeah. Bit of both, definitely bit of both. One thing I've noticed with the likes of preschool um content, uh, actually with with most content, is that it is so fast paced. And there's not as much of it now. There's not as much variety and there's a lot more animation. Animation was incredibly expensive when television first started out. Um, And we even toyed with having um, Susie's World animated. But the opening titles was the extent of the budget. So, you know, it was just so expensive. So animation, there's a lot more of that now. I think what's really important for preschoolers in particular and, and kids of any ages is to have real life role models. Yes. So... So I don't think, yeah, I think I think it's the technology and and so on and uh, is, is invaluable. But taking it back to basics and having slow paced, having yes. variety, having more of it readily available, particularly made here in New Zealand, as opposed to what's being imported from overseas. Yes, our accents, our stories, our people, our landscapes and and you know our our plants and our fruit and our veggies and you know, all yes. those sorts of things that they are ours so it reflects us we're not looking to be fulfilled by something from overseas I totally agree and I think um I think your slowness uh point is a, is a really interesting important one I mean I um my kids sorry to bring them into it but they won't be listening I don't think you know of course we don't let them on TikTok but they're t- far too young for that but you know it's this stupid YouTube that mm. I'm trying to get off the TV and these whatever they are, I don't even know how many seconds they are, but they're addicted to it, oh, right? Yeah, and we've yeah. got to get it every time we come down. It's sort of kind of a, a, a battle around that. I mean, that's what it's competing with, though, I suppose. You know, that's what real New Zealand people telling real New Zealand stories is competing with. 
Mm, true, true. And I guess the thing is, if we if we start educating kids, and we start that with young young ones in particular, and take them back to more long form, if they don't know about the junk food of TikTok and and the fast turnaround, fast pace stuff, they are going to really enjoy it. I'm getting sent little videos all the time, actually, of the most gorgeous images of kids sitting in bed with mum and dad or in the mm. lounge or, or one most recently was beautiful, this little chap fast asleep in another room. Here's the opening titles of You and Me. You think that that program is now only on DVD or on my YouTube channel or um, somebody might have a VHS machine out there, but um, he hears the opening title music. Dead asleep on the floor of the playroom in his, you know, in his bedroom and Instantly wakes up and comes running out to see the television. That's a child of this generation, not of when you and me was first made. Mm. So that is a a long form program. It's slow paced, but he ran out there because it's his jam, you know. So if we are giving those kids that opportunity from a young age, we're growing kids that are going to continue looking for long form Content. Yes. So they're going to go to our drama, our local drama, our local um, comedies and not things on traditional, but also on YouTube as well. But they're going to look for content that can hold them and and speak to them. You having done this, and I know you then, um, I think, took some time out and, and had two uh, children of your own mm. who are now, I think, probably adults, are they? Not quite. Uh, not yeah, 18, quite. 18, right. 18 and 16. Right. Yeah. Did it have an effect on your parenting style, having done all of this? Or oh, I knew how to sing quite a few songs and how to make a damn good. <laughs> you, you weren't pot of sick payload. of that after you'd done a day of it, and you're just like, oh no, 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 no. I mean, it's it's in my DNA now. So yes. yeah, and look, I've got a average Kiwi family. Yep. So my voice is often heard bellowing out across the get your shows on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we we have had a lot of fun, and I found that. Song and play and fun and distraction were fantastic ways of getting kids to do things and made those early years in particular so much easier. Kids are less likely to want you to sing about them getting into the car as a teen <laughs> as they are as, as a preschooler. But I'm very fortunate. The relationship that we have with our kids is, is wonderful and communication is key. And that can often include sitting on the bed at 11... Midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Listening. Listening. Yeah, listening. Yeah. That's the word. It's not so yeah. much talking. It's us listening and then perhaps suggesting strategies or asking questions. So what are you going to do about that? Mm. Hey, what are you going to do if this happens? Or have you thought about such and such? It's not about saying, right, this is what you're going to do. And then you're going to say this and da-da-da-da-da. It's about giving them the chance to say, hey, you tried this. Did this work? Why would that be, do you think? Why do you think that person's doing this? And because, let's face it, majority of the issues that they're going to want to talk to you about are relationship-based. Yes. So whether that is stuff happening in the playground or happening in the classroom or um, whatever, it's generally relationship-based. In a sense, and particularly as they get older, that they can tell you. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you will respect that and, and, and you will listen. I think mm. that's right. No, it's really... Um, powerful. 
Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The human race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. Seeing all of that and what you've done in your career and and with your own children, I mean, does you got any views on sort of education, you know, and, and what we're doing or not doing or Crikey, where do we start on that one? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think I think there is um, a certain amount of work that needs to be done within our education system, but I think the first thing we need to focus on is getting support for those teachers and rewarding them for uh, the work that they're doing. Beyond the classroom, beyond the, the you know reading, writing, arithmetic, um, how they are having to work as counsellors and um, and being there for kids with all kinds of behavioural issues and so on, we need the support in the classroom now. And as you say, those kids are watching things in in second bites. Mm. We need to be able to find ways of connecting with those kids to be able to pull them in to longer attention spans. Parents will use uh, devices as, as a babysitting tool and, and a way of, of coping and things like that. But really, we do need to limit what it is that our kids are watching. And I don't think that is like being the mummy state or anything like that. It's about limiting our kids. Well, by, by limiting them, we're actually giving them a gift and, and making, um, helping them grow their minds and their abilities for resilience, for perseverance, for stickability, for being open to learning and things like that. Yeah, exactly right. Now, I've obviously seen it before, but in recent times, I confess, I'm sorry, Susie, I haven't watched a lot of your shows. Right? Well, I'm not surprised, Simon. No. They're not actually made for your age group, No, generally. this is true. <laughs> this is true. But I did, for research purposes, watch a You and Me. And what, you know, struck me, which I suppose I would have known if I'd thought about it, but it is physical. And you are, you know, in every show, singing, dancing, there's the expression because, you know, you, you, you're a bit like the theatre, you know, getting them to pick up, you know, what, what your face is telling them as well mm. as what you're saying. It's all the movement. Um, You're obviously amazing at it. I'd be embarrassed doing <laughs> what you do, if I'd say. Did, did, did you ever feel, I mean, you've got all these adults around or is it like, don't be stupid, that's the gig and that's what I do? Mm, yeah, look, I've been asked that question so many times, particularly when I was making You and Me. It's like, isn't that embarrassing? And I thought, you know, if I was making it for adults, <laughs> then quite possibly. But I was making it for kids. Yes. So all I had in my mind was that little person 
first thing in the morning might have marmite or jam on its face, you know, it's just woken up, it's got sleep in its eyes, it's probably still got its nappy pants on with with its pyjama top, you know, that kind of thing. By the way, Susie is demonstrating oh, these yep. <laughs> things, right? Because it's it's what she does. does. Exactly. My hands are going the whole time. Yeah. So It's yeah. very expressive. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, which, and and I try and sit on my hands like now. <laughs> no, it's I can't okay. No, no, away. I'm sorry. I don't mean yeah. to make you self-conscious. <laughs> oh, it's great. But I guess, and and when I, um, even when I'm in a meeting, whether it be local council or I've been down at the Beehive, I generally start anything I do with, it's our time, kia ora, <laughs> Everybody can resonate. Everybody knows where they stand with me and that if I don't get them to do head, shoulders and knees and toes by the time I leave, then something's wrong. So <laughs> Brilliant. But, um. Yeah, it's 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 been amazing. Now, again, in the one I watched, and I'm just just saying, it was about eating and digesting mm. and poos and wheeze. Mm. And you sang a song, "The good bits stay in me and you, the others go and wheeze and poo." Yes. <laughs> so, which is you know, is fun and educational, and all the things we talked about. Um, were you? I do have a serious question as a result of that. Mm-hmm. I did want to get in the wheeze and poos, but um, is it about wheeze and poos? Well, no. Well, no, no, <laughs> <Okay>. no. <laughs> <laughs> For those questions, I go to my doctor. No, 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 I don't need to. Um, Were you involved in the – how did this work? Because what you've told me, I think, is you were – I've been in the show biz a little bit now. Mm. Um, You were the talent, right? You came on and you were the – and you had this team around you. Were you involved either at the start or or was it towards the end? Were you involved in the writing of it and the – how did that go? Yeah, not with any of these programs, no. Right. So um, interesting. I started in uh, the early bird show around the 100th program as the the puppets. Right. Um, Russell Rooster and Kitty Kia were heading off with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tour, right. so they needed somebody back at home base. But I also started on a one about the 100th program of You and Me. So the previous presenter had been Pauline Cooper, and she came from play school. And yes. I think she might have been involved in the original involvement of it because she had vast years in, in preschool education. So I basically, as you say, was the presenter. I just rocked up, right. flew down from Auckland, was in Dunedin for two weeks of every month for five years. So I would record two episodes a day, go home, have my tea, come back in, record another two the next day, did that for two weeks. Came home, thawed out from Dunedin for two weeks, and then went back down again. So it wasn't until I was involved with um, creating Susie's World where I was involved in the script writing and things like that. You would have made it, yeah, still not, as you say, it's not, you'd be a great wiggle. Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> I should have been a wiggle. Yeah, it's good <laughs> enough for Robert Rackety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, you've got all the attributes. Um, the other, I mean, I've said this really, but I mean, it's just, you know, because as you, you basically, have just told me this is a lie fundamentally, right? Unless mm. you really trip up or something, and then it goes in the bloopers. It's half an hour of a, a one-person show, and I was just sitting there thinking, I'm not just saying this to make you feel nice, but you know, Michael Hurst with what is it, um, uh, uh, King Lear and his soliloquies, and so I mean, you're in the same game. Oh no, 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 no! Back, back. Oh, actually, with uh, with you and me, it was all on autocue. Right. Because there was the, the te reo and, and all the rest of it. And it was easier for them to have it on autocue. Right. It was a, as you say, a half hour, commercial half hour. So it was about a 20-minute show, 25-minute show. Yep. Susie's World, yes. That was no autocue because we were often out on location. And I had to memorize everything and and um, and share it. 
I can't remember half of the science stuff. I'm not a scientist, so I had to learn it. <laughs> oh, for you were the very shows. good at the human biology. Oh, great! Thank yes. you. <laughs> no, you. You had the you had the picture of the sort of you know the digestive tract mm-hmm. and the various. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, oh, I actually well, I probably knew at one point, but I forgot. I learned a lot. Well, we haven't yeah. put the digestion program of Susie's World up yet, so that's right. just a 10-minute one, science-based one, but you'll really enjoy that. I've since... No, I mean, I, genu- I'm not, I am being funny, but I am being serious also. I, I, I would learn quite a bit from that, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 because we put it in really simple terms. We use household items and things like that, and we had um, parents writing in saying, um, are you going to play that program again anytime soon. I'm a sailor and my and I have a yacht and all the rest of it. My son now knows more about tides than I do, you know, so <laughs> that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, yeah, we we learned a lot while we made it. Unfortunately, I didn't retain it all, so I'm absolutely useless when it comes to quiz nights. No, so. I'm a little bit like that. Um your cosmic fluoro jumpers. Was that your choice or how did that come about? Um, because look, they, they were, are like famous now yeah. as a result of that time and place and period. And they just work so perfectly within the program environment because yes. we were all big block colours. There was the the bright coloured jeans and the bright coloured tops and things like that. But um, And so Cosmic were the big thing at the time. Yes. And I ended up with about four or five different Bigger, the, the big jumpers, yeah. And I think that there were some track pants as well at, a, at one stage. Unfortunately, I don't have a single one of them. They'd be quite a good auction item. Oh, definitely. They were. It's like, come get Susie Cato's Cosmic Jumper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's what I did. I gave them away to various charities for auction. Right. And then went, oh, there you I'll, go. I'll, I'll just get a new one. And of course, they're not being made anymore. Yes. Yeah. Time and place, I suppose. Right. Let's do some quick fire stuff here. Mm-hmm. Career highlights to date. Mm, I don't know. Look, there's so many things. It has to be you and me. That would be yeah. my absolute. Because that was how many um, shows? Oh gosh, we made over two thousand. Yeah, them. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Low light. Oh, I mean, is there light. something you sort of sit there and say, "Ah, oh, that was a mistake," or I? Oh, look, multiple mistakes, things that I've turned down, things that I haven't been even offered because I don't have an agent or anything like that. I just do it all myself. What was that about? Why didn't you do that? Did you sort of, could you feel like you might have, I don't know, might have moved in a different direction or something, yeah. you had an agent pushing you in a certain way? Yeah, um, there was a little bit of that. Look, I was approached by Andy Hayden at one stage and I went and met with him a couple of times, but at that stage, I was life was full anyway. I was writing books. I was mm. doing the um, – and then I think I was just about to head into creating Susie's World, and I didn't really have enough time. What I'd done too was – this is how I didn't become a wiggle, as, in, as wealthy as a wiggle. I, um, mm. was, I was creating shows, fundraising for local um, play centres, uh, toy libraries, kindergartens, you know, that kind of thing. And – I would fl- be flown into an area and I would do a show and they would charge maybe $10 a ticket or $5 a ticket or whatever they chose to do. They would make the money and I would have my is paid for and if I needed to stay somewhere, my accommodation. And that was it. I didn't charge for my time, whereas I think the Wiggles right from the beginning monetized it all. And But I mean, look, uh-huh. it's, it's for- like $50 a ticket for an hour oh, wow. times whatever it is, 1000 Yeah. Screaming kids and people there. <laughs> yeah. And look, Chicka-ching. it didn't sit with me. It didn't sit with me. And I guess that's re- the reason why I didn't get a manager or an agent was because that commercialism, yes. it didn't sit with me at, at that time. Yeah. 
I now look back and go, oh, actually, to have the mortgage paid off and you know, all those sorts of <laughs> things would be quite really nice. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in doing so, I reached a whole lot of the community who I yes. would not normally have been able to reach because they wouldn't have been able to afford it. And I got taken into some amazing parts of the country yes. and spent time with kids. I mean, uh, I can't remember which exactly which um, town it was in, but the row of patched members at the back of the hall mm. that stood there with their arms folded, quietly listening to it all, and the kids were just going off because this was their jam and we're singing, we're doing head, shoulders, knees and toes, and if you're happy and you know it, and you know, of course, it's our time and see us here later. And then afterwards, I was outside having my photograph taken. So that's another thing. The, the kids would pay to have their photograph taken, but that all went funding the funds back into the community, yes. either in the um, toy library or the kindergarten or play centre. And one by one, these families, the patch members came up and had their photograph taken. And dad stood in there <laughs> with his waistcoat on and came and had the photograph too, which was such an honour. Mm. And they waited in the queue and they were polite as and they were lovely and they were looking after their kids and all mm. the rest of it. It was just beautiful. But an absolute honour as well because you know that you were connecting with them and the child within mm. just as much as you were with their children. And it was that special time for them, their yeah. child. TV show you wish you'd made or you'd still like to? Oh, you and me. <laughs> you do it again? Oh, yeah, yeah, in a heartbeat. And I think there's a real need for it. A show you got involved in and wish you didn't. <laughs> You're probably not going to say that if there no. is one, or maybe there isn't. No, look, and that's the thing is, I've, I have turned down so many offers. Mm, right. Generally, uh, in the past with um, various comedians and so on, who are looking for, oh, let's let's break the Susie mould, let's do let's do the late night version, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I've gone, oh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, is there one that got away, though? I mean, is there one you sit there and say, oh, you know, I kind of should have done that one? Um, Oh, not that I can think because, of. Because, you know, that house in Noosa would be paid, oh, yeah. <laughs> bought and paid off and I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, I look, no, there's been no opportunities like that, unfortunately. No. And look, just having my first um, film experience too with Red, yes. White and Brass was yeah, tell absolutely us about that. amazing. Oh, just so much fun. So much fun. You look back and you go, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that if I did it again. But um, actually my, my role, but that was an amazing experience. It was so down to earth. I came in really at the last minute and I was, as, not as in cast at the last minute, but I came in at the end of filming. So they'd already had built this amazing whānau around all the cast and the crew and it was just like stepping into a real life family you know they were just the humour and the, the creativity and everything it was just wonderful it was like being in a hug and the movie did incredibly well over in America just recently mm. it was awarded by a panel of judges character? oh I was Liz the music teacher right so really, really small role, but such a neat thing to, to to be a part of. Wonderful story, and it just received a jury's award for what, is that, what do they call it? Oh, feels like home. Right. Feels like home. So that's the feeling that the movie gave the jury, the judges. It gave them the sense of being at home, and that's what that movie is all about. It has got such heart, and it's created with such mafana, such energy, such such love. It's wonderful. Can you see yourself doing more of that yes, sort please. of acting? Yeah? Yes, please. A yeah. Agents. Um. Yeah, well, let's, let's get it out there. Susie won't mind if that's the headline because it's going to result. And I will be able to say, well, you know, look, it was generally famous. Yes, that exactly. That made that it famous. Yeah. No, fantastic. Um, a... 
a career you reckon you'd be good at but didn't do? Mm, okay. I would, I'm still considering if eventually when I grow up, that <laughs> may, may be getting involved in counselling mm. or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's that feels like home. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, what you were saying about, you know, you and me and, and that sense of safety and so on. Mm. I mean, that's obviously a massive, it's not the only thing, but it's a precondition to great counselling, I would have thought. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I, I'd, um, the other thing would be natural therapies or massage or something like that. So I've done my massage course several times. I really need to go and do it again because life is busy. I've got the massage table. I've got all the oils yes. and all the rest of it. The kids to begin with, were, they were far too ticklish and I couldn't uh-huh. <laughs> do more than just gently rub them. And my husband goes to sleep when I when I massage him. So, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> it sounds like me and my wife. But anyway, we don't go there. Um <laughs> But you know, massage, um, I feel like it would be, I just got to try and pull this back somehow. Yeah, thank you very I much. feel like order. this would be quite hard on your hands though. I feel like, mm. I don't know how they do it, like two hours, but like if that was your real job, I feel it would be quite a hard oh, job. Look, it is phys- very physical, very physical. You'd need job. a massage after oh, the yes, massaging, please. you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, but it's how you do it too and it's um, – the muscle memory and 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 the strength that you build up and how much you put into it. So it's how you utilise your body. I just so feel that, like there'd be all these sort of, what would they be, 20-somethings or, or whatever it is, have been watching you and me, and they'd be like, what, I'm getting massaged by Susie Cato. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. No, exactly. So let's sit down on the couch and have a talk about this. Yeah, well, we? that's right. Well, you could, it could be the massage and therapy. <laughs> With Susie Cato show. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Um, Will you be my first guinea pig? <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Dancing with the Stars. I, I've, yeah, I we talked about it off here and I had a vague recollection. I wasn't quite right about it. But did you enjoy that? I loved it. Absolutely. And you did really well, didn't you? I did incredibly well for somebody who did no training. In yeah. fact, I had to start walking before we started our dance practice because I had no fitness. My job at the moment is to sit on my backside and do lots of typing and, and things like that. So physically, I was just not prepared for it. And that was luckily five years ago. So I turned 55 this month. So I turned 50 the year of Dancing with the Stars. You're halfway there. Yeah. Living Wonderful. on a prayer. Is that what you dance to? Yeah, I think. Ah, no, not that one. No, not that song. But um, no, it's a song that I'm you just, singing. Well, you've moment. got three. You've just got three in for me. Three mm, songs. Okay. Well, how much so longer have we the, got? Well, I'm just, just, just so I get my four. What was the one you danced to? And you, oh you, gosh, you were a few of them. But. There was a few of them, and there's one that keeps on coming on in the in countdown when I'm at the supermarket. And I tell you what, it it takes me right back to the dance floor. You didn't do Dancing with the Stars, did you? No, I have been asked, but I just, you know, I, I, if you I get a just chance know to do it, it wouldn't be good. Oh, look. It wouldn't be a positive experience for anyone. No, <laughs> You're being just, hard on yourself. No, I'm not. And you've, you've done, oh, look, there's some other ones there. Great Kiwi Bake Off. Were you any mm. good at that? You're a good well, baker? Oh, do you know what? Normally I'd say yes, but I did a really bad job. I had um, long COVID and I... Barely. I actually had to watch the episode to remember 
what I'd made. And I know that I'd made a really bad job of the muffins because I forgot to put the sugar in them. Right. And actually stuffed the sugar in afterwards. But the judges were very kind about that. Yes. <laughs> but I, I don't recall actually making the little animals. I made a cat out of marzipan and, and so on. <laughs> I actually had to watch the, the episode to go, ah. Oh, did I do those? They're not bad. So. <laughs> I bet they were good. I bet they were good. You've given me a sense of it. You know, we've, we've got had movie. We've got um, a few other bits. Of, how would you describe what you're doing at the moment? Um, I'm doing amazing stuff that I'm yep. absolutely loving. I've got a. I've got more songs coming out this year. I'm working right. on a preschool songs with and and songs for for kids with several different local artists. I've got a book coming out this year. I have several projects in the pipeline that I hopefully can come back and tell you all about. Amazing. In the coming months, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And you know, if you think about the future, we look back in a decade, let's say. What do you what do you think that decade's going to have looked like? Um, the decade's going to have looked amazing. Brilliant. It's going to be full of fantastic family content, mm. kids content, uh, further growth and development for me, and that means for others as well. And I'll have put an incredible team around me to create all the things that I'm wanting to create. And my family will have grown. In a decade, my daughter will be 28. Could I have a grandchild by then, please? I don't know. <laughs> no pressure, darling. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um, uh, just where my kids are heading to and what they're planning to do with life. And I, yeah, it's, it's a good place. And have you got any, um, not necessarily work sense, but have you got any bucket list things there you're saying, oh, look, I still need to do this. Yeah, so went, it's not a bucket, it's a barrel. <laughs> There's a ton of things. Travel or? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My daughter's over in Morocco at the moment. Wow. And the photographs that we're seeing, it's just like, oh, haven't been there. Need to, need to go mm. there. It's been just a pleasure having you, Susie. I'm going to wrap up by asking the question I ask every guest. We call this section general knowledge. If you could be somebody else for a day, look, other than me, of course, mm -hmm. who would it be? Oh, if I could be somebody else. Um, look, I'll try, I'll try being with the Prime Minister yeah. for one day. Yeah. Susie Hipkins. <laughs> I could, uh, I could see that. Yes. I go that way. Well, that's why I asked you the education one, because mm. I knew that was, and, uh, you know, I think you, I think you'd do it well. I'd give it a damn good go, that's for sure. Uh, what's your most embarrassing moment? My most embarrassing moment. <laughs> oh, there are so many of them. Um, probably my most recent embarrassing moment was trying to find my way into the building and having you behind me and, <laughs> <laughs> and almost backing into you as I went, oh, hang on, I don't think this is the right building and driving off going, oh, hang on, that was Simon. He's going in well, there. I I just, and I just had those fenders <laughs> fixed too. So oh, I didn't really? want you to be, it would have been, you know, the first one was my fault and a I just feel like they think the second one was too, even I though think it was. So. I think I'd be like, it was Susie Cato. Look, look, Simon, you were very, very close. You're coming. Yeah. You were coming in hard. I, well, I needed I, you to back back a bit. Well, I knew I was running late. So I thought, I can't be late for Susie Cato. I mean, she's one of those punctual types. Well, the, you know? exactly, and I yeah. was seconds before you. <laughs> if money was no object, what are the first three things you'd buy? Oh my goodness, what wouldn't I buy? Okay, <laughs> so I would set the, the family up first and um, I'd get them into property. I would buy some ambulances. I would buy, uh, I, th I think what I'd basically buy is a um, a uh, broadcasting 
outfit. Yeah, platform and just make all the content that I wanted to make. Yeah. Fantastic. You'd be great at that. Well, as we know from everything you've done so far, which famous actor would play you in the movie of your life? Look, having just had my first taste of acting, <laughs> it would have to be me, Simon. That means I would have to hang around. Susie Cato as Susie Cato. Cato, yeah. Yeah. Because no, <laughs> it's my time. Kia ora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one else could do that like no, this. No, exactly. What's the strangest tradition in your family? Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I couldn't think of any of them. Well, um, I actually just, I'm, I mean, it's not for me to answer the question for you, yeah. but I saw something there around somewhere about you picking up the kids in dinosaur suits or oh, something yeah, yeah. from the, the airport. That's a little bit weird, isn't it? It, it is, yeah, but it should become a tradition. <laughs> so that was Riley coming back from uh, World Challenge in Nepal just as the borders were closing with COVID in 2020. So that definitely should become a tradition. Yeah, yeah, I think stopping at Pocono for ice cream, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is when you're heading down to Hamilton, that yes. is a family tradition. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I used to like that one um, that was the castle, we would call it, but then the motorway, I oh, think, yeah, yeah. you don't go there. That was good. Yeah, that was good too. If you could choose to stop ageing at any age, which would you choose? Um, I would say sometime in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a year or two ago. Yeah. Only, only a year or two. Yeah. Susie Cater, it's been tremendous. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Generally Famous, a Stuff podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black and audio editor John Rapiha. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. See you, see you later. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead... The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read... Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.